from digitiki.com. 86 year mission is simple. Find chaos and destroy it. Get Mr. Big, rescue Professor Dante, and bring back the Enthermo. This may run into a little overtime, Chief. Thanks, <laughs> you realize you'll be facing every kind of danger imaginable. And loving it. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Quiet Village. visit here at the quiet village episode 49 we are almost to our 50th anniversary i'm your host digitiki coming to you direct as always from digitiki.com got my mai tai right here and i'm ready to go got a very special guest coming up from the world we have pulp fiction author bill rates who is going to be in a hammock joining me with a mai tai in hand but before we get started i want to tell you about two new albums that have just come out from vocalion i don't have a copy of them yet but i i do know they are out uh four classic martin denny records released on two CDs, uh, two separate CDs. One CD is A Taste of Honey and the other album, A Taste, I'm sorry, Another Taste of Honey, both together on one CD um, from Vocalion Records out of the UK. It is an import to us here in the US. The other CD from the same label is The Versatile Martin Denny and Latin Village, both albums together on one CD. Both of those CDs have been remastered, or I should say all four of those albums have been remastered for the two CDs so they sound really good and I hope to have uh, some I hope to have them in my hands soon and I can play you some tracks from those but in the meantime I do have a copy of Latin Village which was released in Japan for the longest time and has since gone out of print and um, is quite a collector's item Thank goodness I had a copy of it before it went out of print so here from the classic album by Martin Denny is Angelito from the album Latin Village. Welcome to the Quiet Village, folks.
okay very very cool track they are one of my personal favorites it's the theme from merry christmas mr lawrence but it was actually remixed by deeper sublime and eric johnson from a compilation of kind of uh, ambient down tempo asian uh, themed music uh, a compilation called big in japan very cool I, I really like that compilation before that we heard a very classic track arthur lyman from his taboo album with a track called sim sim ahead of that was the tikiyaki orchestra from their album aloha baby with a very spy jazzy tune called in search of may ting ahead of that we heard spy in the house of love by the aqua velvets from their self-titled album very surfy spy tune and kicking off that set was martin denny from his classic album latin village with a track called angelito and uh, that has just been released together with the versatile martin denny on a single cd from vocalion that is a great album and i highly suggest you pick that up and also the double or two-on-one CD, Taste of Honey, and another Taste of Honey by Martin Denny. They both sound wonderful, and I do hope to have those for one of the upcoming episodes so I can play you a little more off of that. All right, let's keep rolling with a little bit more of the spy tune theme. Here we go, uh, a very, very classic and one of my favorites, uh, the theme from Russia with Love, right here on The Quiet Village. From Russia with love I fly to you Much wiser since my goodbye to you I've traveled the world to With love I've seen places Faces And smiled For a moment But oh You haunted me so Still my tongue-tied young pride would not let my love for you show in case you'd say no to Russia I flew But there and then I suddenly knew you'd care again My running around is through I fly to you Yeah. 
He's my man. Really fun song. The theme from the movie The Last of the Secret Agents by Nancy Sinatra, actually sung by Nancy Sinatra there from the soundtrack. Uh, that song is available on on her albums, which are on CD, and it's available as a digital download. But that soundtrack itself is not available on CD. Uh, I did play a track from it, though, from the uh, Crime Jazz episode last of the secret agents before that the theme from hawaiian eye by warren barker from the cd that has just been released called uh the hawaiian eye soundtrack is still available to get it while you can and kicking off that set the theme from one of my favorite bond movies from russia with love sung by a very sinatra sounding pat monroe from the uh, from the soundtrack Okay, folks, get your shoe phones out. It is time to uh, it is time for the interview, the very secret interview, direct from the World Espionage Bureau The uh, the accomplished Pulp Fiction author is in the house. Bill Rates is with me in the Quiet Village. Welcome to the Quiet Village, Bill. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. It's really great to have you on. In fact, when you had uh, sent me a copy of the book, I, I was really thrilled to read it, and, and I just went right through it. It was actually a very easy read and a lot of fun. And, and I, I guess, you know, that is the essence of Pulp Fiction, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's always a, a very a fast, uh, a lot of people say cheap, but, uh, you know, a, a fast read is, is definitely uh, no uh, war and peace, but uh, very, very quick uh, and enjoyable type of read. Well, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to read, too, because there's a lot to chew on in it, you know. The story moves really quick. And there's a lot of detail about where the main character is and what he's doing and exactly where he's at. Some of the places I recognized. And yeah, some of the places in, in uh, all of my stories actually are, are real and some are invented. And this is kind of a combination of both. Uh, there are real Las Vegas locations in here, but uh, the Voodoo Lodge that I write about is actually based on a um, tiki bar known as Con Tiki in Tucson, Arizona. And I One of my favorite about, places, too, I might add. Oh, it's, it's awesome, yes. And for anyone who hasn't been, uh, I, I first went in there 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, you know, the ambiance there, just it, it hits you as soon as you walk in the door and it envelops you. And my first thought was, wow, I have got to write a tiki-themed book, and somehow wrap it around this place. And that's as far as I got. And so I kind of shelved the idea, and then about a year ago, I was working on this story, and I'm like, yeah, this manuscript's great, but it needs something else. And I'm like, ah, make it the tiki book. As I was reading it, I thought, if this was going to be shot somewhere, the con tiki would be perfect. 
Hey, that's that's great to hear because it, uh, that means I uh, I got the bar across. Exactly. But, you know, in essence, it is based on the Contiki. Well, you know, and let's geek out on the Contiki for a minute because uh, so every time we go to Tucson, it's a given. I have to go to Contiki, and it's such a cool place because you know, it it does have that really vintagey vibe. It looks like the place has not been touched since it opened. In fact, I, I noticed because you actually mentioned the lizard behind the glass. Which made me think of the Contiki and and the uh, the sign about entering paradise over the front door. And I was like, that is the Contiki right there. <laughs> it is, and also the ghost. I had to throw that in there. Right, right. The ghost, which I've only heard tiny little slivers of info about. Yeah, I had some conversations with Louis, the uh, the manager, um, about this as I was going along, and of course, you know, he had no idea what I was doing until I, I finished it up and said, "Hey, I wrote a book about your place." But uh, yeah, he would fill me in on stories like, uh, you know, seeing the ghost and everything. So again, it's a little embellished, but it's based on uh, on what really goes on there. Yeah, Louis's a great guy. I, I know yes, Louis. I've met him so many times, and he's always. You know, I can't believe it. He recognizes my face because I only go in there about, you know, once or twice a year. And he recognizes me. He's like right here. And he, you know, saunters us up to a table. And what do you guys have? And, you know, he's, he's a real great guy. That's very cool. Yes. Uh, he and everyone in there, they're, they're just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, really. So let's talk about um, a little bit about your your book, but the overarching that you you have several books with this main character, right? Bryce Atwell. Yes, he's in every one of them, like it or not. <laughs> well, I liked his character because he's really kind of gritty, and he's there's parts of him that are not likable. Exactly. With, yeah, um, I, and he has no unspoken thoughts. He's got his elements that are not too nice, but uh, but interesting at the same time. Very gritty. Uh, yeah, very real. You made him uh, – now, I'm, I'm going off of memory on this one. You made him a transplant from New Zealand? Australia. What uh, what gave you the Australia angle? I went. I spent a month there uh, many many years ago, and, and this was back even before I started writing the series. And uh, I fell in love with the place and the people. Uh, they are just fantastic people. And so when the time the time came for me to start doing this, I thought just instantly Bryce has got to be an Australian, and um, the rest is history. I was noticing it, you know, almost halfway through the book. I, I had realized that he would use certain vernacular that wasn't American English, right? Which I thought was very interesting. I thought you might have been from there. That's why I uh, I thought that was kind of neat. No, no, just uh, I had just visited, and, and that, that's what uh, brought this on. Uh, I, I thought there were really interesting touches, especially some of the exotic tiki touches, like uh, he listens to Les Baxter in his car, and uh, he's, he's uh, actually, I think at one point he's listening to the Tiki-Aki Orchestra in his car. Yes, exactly. And uh, he's got Martin Denny CD in his home stereo, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, Bryce is... Um... A, a very vintage person uh, living in the present day to begin with. So that that wasn't a, a real stretch of a modification for this character. Uh, he's, I guess you would call um, a Mike Hammer just thrown into present day. You, uh, you know, he listens to the vintage music, he wears the fedora, uh, the whole bit. Now, and, you know, that's interesting because that was... It was only a page or so in that I got that vibe that this guy wears 
the the skinny black tie, the thin lapels, you know, the the short cut suit like like you know the sixties. Like this guy is, um, uh, he, he was thrown forward in time. Yeah, and that's another thing that just makes him unique. And um, so far, I've offered no real explanation for it in the books. It's just uh, that's the way he is. I I really think it's great because it makes you. There's chunks of it that I forget. I'm reading a novel set in the present day. Wow, that's huge. Thank you. You know, I, in the back of my head, I knew it was set in the present day, but but some of his um, some some of his phrases and and some of the actions and. It was just, uh, it was very, uh, very vintage. Yeah, that's what I'm, I've been going for with this. I, you know, I started out writing um, just spy novels, which were the techno thrillers. And the, about four or five years ago, I was just sitting around one day and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of bored with this. Uh, I, so I decided, why not write spy fiction as pulp fiction? And, uh, you know, I floated the idea past a few people in the industry, and they're like, wow, that hasn't been done before, but uh, you're not going to win any literary awards if you do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just out to entertain people. So uh, that's kind of the whole point with this. You know, the whole genre of tiki and exotica and pulp fiction, it, none of that was really ever set out to um, to win any awards for artistic value or 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 any of that but it's still around and it's really loved today so I think you're on to something yeah and like you mentioned there you know there's a big comeback uh, there's a lot of authors out there doing it there's a lot of presses that are uh, republishing uh, lost manuscripts uh, it, it's it's coming back and I couldn't be more excited well good I, I I think that's great because it's fun it's fun stuff you know it moves really good it's got a really good pace yes and that's what I like to read as well so I think that influences my writing and it's a great story why don't you give us a, a rundown kind of a, a brief rundown of the the, the story itself. I guess the the easiest way to to sum it up without giving too much away is it's a government sanctioned assassination gone tiki. Yes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's a very good way sounds. of putting it. Uh, but uh, you know, our, our main character, or I guess our hero Bryce, is um, called uh, to take care of someone who's making trouble uh, for others, and in doing so, he discovers a lot of trouble on his own that comes about by that. And uh, this is all done uh, with the tiki bar in the background, uh, you know, without giving in too much away. Uh, both characters are essentially tied to this bar somehow. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of goes from there into being uh, the just a, a crime fiction story in Las Vegas. But the whole way through, we keep the, the tiki theme going. It was interesting how the, the tiki bar runs through the whole thing. No, th th that was uh, one of the challenges of the book is keeping it, uh, you know, focused on this bar, but you know, there's a lot of action that had to take place outside of it, of course. Uh, so that that was a challenge for me as a writer, to, you know, to keep it centered. And the, the heroine, or I guess the femme fatale, as, as she would be in this one, the Ginger Tate, is she yes. based on anyone in particular? Not at all. Uh, just she came into my head as the the person that Bryce would encounter in a place like this. And uh, she makes a very good Hawaiian meatball, too. Yes, that was the other thing I was going to mention. That in the back of the book, 
you have uh, the recipe for Ginger Tate's Hawaiian meatballs. Yeah, I, w- I won't uh, expound on that anymore because I don't want to give away the story, but uh, when I turned the manuscript into my editor at, at the end of it, she said, oh, this was great. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed reading it. Are you leaving the, the meatball recipe in the printed book? I said, yes. And she was, oh, please do. I love it. <laughs> Did she make it and try it? She told me she did. Yes. I'm going to have to try it because I was looking at it, and I, at first, my when I went to that page, my knee jerk reaction was that's not real. And then I re- read it, and I'm like, well, this looks like a real recipe. And I thought I'm going to have to try this, so I will be trying it very shortly. I promise. Well, I made them first before I even put that in there, so uh, you know, I took one for the team. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good to know. So. Uh, so tell me more about some of the different books that uh, that you've done. Actually, why don't we talk about the ones that this character Bryce is is in first? How many how many books is he in? Uh, well, he's in all of them in the series. Uh, there's Bad Agent, Sin City Spy, Armed and Gorgeous, and Voodoo Lodge. Armed and Gorgeous, which is a great title, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, so those are my my main titles. I've got two novellas out, which are also Bryce Atwell stories, mm-hmm. uh, Strip Poker and The Grifter's Girl. I've got another one of those coming out in July. It's called Save by the Mall. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, you know, if you like Bryce, there's more coming back. Great. So you live in Vegas, right? Right. Okay. So, so these are places that you – these are – other than I would say the Voodoo Lodge, which is based on a real place – most every other location in the book is is legit, right? It's there. Mostly, um, sometimes I, I will um, make up a place when I need to, mm-hmm. but uh, I try to keep it very much in tandem with what's real in Las Vegas. And the Voodoo Lodge, of course, being a fictional place based on a real place, I, I, I'm sure some of the, like you said, some of the design of the place was a little bit on the fictional side. It really sounded like a real place. You know, you could imagine it in your mind laid out a certain way. Well, thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. Um, you know, like I said, Contiki doesn't have a stage per se, but, um, you know, just a, a, a couple additions here and there, and uh, bam, we've got a voodoo lodge. Yeah, and there's a lot of action in the book. It moves. There, There really isn't. There isn't a slow moment. I mean, you know, the point where where Bryce may literally sit down, boom, he's up a second later and something happens to him. He kind of, uh, he's a magnet for trouble, so to speak. (laughs) He is. Uh, And and again, that's, uh, I think that stems from the the type of fiction that I myself enjoy reading. I've never actually interviewed an author before, so this is... This is new okay. to me, but I, I did. There was one passage in the book that I read, and I thought of you. I thought this would be neat to actually hear it in the author's words. So, and it's the beginning of chapter five, the first couple of paragraphs. Would you mind actually reading that for us? Oh, I'd, I'd be delighted to. If you blink, you'll miss the place. Even though there's a fair-sized sign out front that's adorned with tiki carvings and torches that get set ablaze after the sun goes down. Not to be confused with the Voodoo Lounge at the Rio Hotel, the Voodoo Lodge is miles from the Strip and caters to a very eclectic clientele. The rumors about that place abound, particularly the one about how the original owner died there while sipping a devil's triangle. Old Sots say his ghost still haunts the swank joint. 
That aside, you can't swing a dead cat in there without hitting a bombshell or a tiki carving. I walked into a lobby so dark that I thought I might trip on my way to a girl at the reservations podium. She looked like every other gal working there, a Polynesian print skirt and a bikini top covering her goods about as much as a pair of Band-Aids. She was ultra curvy, had the right equipment and a disarming smile. I gave her my name before she could ask for it, and she checked it against the club's registry. That's the kind of, it's, the whole book has that quick banter to it that's just like, this, like you said, this kind of character would almost say that stuff out loud. Now, now the, uh, the photography, so who does your photography, or, or where were these taken? It's just really, the, the covers to your other books, too, are just really cool looking. Thank you so much. Um, I, I do have a dedicated photographer uh, for these projects, uh, the book covers and the trailers in particular. But on this particular book, I, I wanted to do something special with it because it, it was basically about a very special place. So what I decided to do this time around was publish this one in the format of the old pulp magazines, the ones that have almost every chapter richly illustrated. Oh. So what we did was we actually went to Contiki and shot the cover and the trailer there, and then most of the inside images were shot inside the lounge. Really? And so this is the Contiki? It is the Contiki. Uh-huh. It was just a matter of them converting the photos into sketches. And, you know, I did an episode, uh, a crime jazz episode recently, and there was um, – when I was actually researching some of it, there's an artist, and I completely forgot his name. I guess I should know this, who's really famous for doing those old Pulp Fiction and crime jazz. I think he did a lot of the movie posters for James Bond, but I can't remember. Oh, Robert McGinnis. Yes, Robert McGinnis. That's it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I imagine that, you know, that kind of a, that kind of a vibe. And, and in fact, the, the photography... You know, it, it, it looks like, like, a, like a McGinnis painting, but photographed, which is really cool. Uh, that, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to get across is just the, the very vintage and I'm, I can't think of a better word than pulpy. You know, back then those were uh, those, those pulp magazines and, and uh, pulp fiction novels were just, uh, you know, there were dime store novels that you could pick up, read, and, and toss. And now it's really interesting because um, – there's there's an art gallery with a gift shop near me, and they've got, um, I guess what you'd call um, postcards, but they're all reprints of the covers of these Pulp Fiction books. Oh, neat! And they are so. I'm gonna have to send you a twenty. Oh, they are so great! You know these old books that say, you know, you know, vixen she devil, and it's got the painting of the woman with the cigarette hanging out of her mouth, and and you know her. Shoulder strap is one is down, and there's a guy in the background, a shadow of a guy. It's just the great kind of stuff like that, and that's what this book really kind of totally took me into that world, which was great. Awesome, that's always good to hear. Yeah, I I, I love those old books. I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of them in the office, and like we were mentioning earlier, they went for a dime or a quarter back in the day. Um, Now, if you're able to find them, they're two ninety nine and up. Yes, and it definitely defined an era. Yes, very much so. It definitely has a very vintagey feel to it. 
Let me uh, let me ask you real quick. Um, you had mentioned that you you had a, a band actually write a theme song for your main character, right? Yes, uh, I've the band is uh, Spyfy out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, they're a surf and um, and jazz band. Mm-hmm. And I've been friends with them for for several years now, and uh, I'd given them advanced copies of my books. And then just one day a couple years ago, uh, Tom uh, got in touch with me and said, hey, you know, I would really like to write a theme song for your books. And I said, "Uh, okay, sure. And so he, they they collaborated and they came up with this wonderful, uh, what I thought was a wonderful theme. Uh, for my books, and I was just overwhelmed, you know, that anybody would want to, to do something like that. And then he calls me back and says, well, we're not done. Uh, I've decided that we're going to team up with Vic Flick, the original James Bond guitarist, and write a theme for your main character. How would you like that? And again, I'm like, okay, yes. And so uh, they did. They put both of those uh, together, um, and they're going to be on a new album that uh, the band Spyfy has coming out. I'm not sure when that's going to be released. Uh, it's going to be sooner than later, I understand, this year. Well, let's actually listen to that, because I managed to get that track from uh, the band Spyfy themselves. Here is Bryce's theme.
Bryce's theme there uh, by Spy-Fi, which is really good giving you the essence of that character. But um, that leads me to another question. Has anybody ever pro- approached you about doing these as a short movie or a series or a, uh, a TV show kind of a... I mean, I can imagine these being uh, really fun to actually see done, you know, filmed and, and produced. No uh, TV or movie deals uh, per se uh, yet, but uh, I, I do have. Uh, there's been some independent uh, film shorts done. Really? Uh, there's been a, a film noir short uh, from a chapter of one of mine of The Grifter's Girl. And the one that's coming out in July, there, there's already another chapter of that in production. And it's both of them are, are being shot in the. The black and white sort of film noir slash 1960s B-movie type uh, a deal. And uh, the first one was, was really, you know, it, it caught on. And so I'm, I'm just dying to see the second one. That is cool. I would love to see that, too. That sounds, that sounds neat because it's uh, your writing and, again, I guess the genre itself is very visual. Every writer, I think, wants to see their their words come to film or come to life in film uh, in one form or another. And so, you know, even something like this is just huge to me. Yeah, I can imagine. What was it like seeing your character come to life? Just unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's the same feeling I get when every book is published. I'm like, wow, you know, all this work and all this dreaming, it's, it's really happening. And it's just a, that, that is the big reward in doing all this. Now, Voodoo Lodge is the, the latest book in the series, right? Right. Uh, Voodoo Lodge came out in March. Uh, in July, I've got the third novella in the series uh, coming out, mm-hmm. Saved by the Mall. And I do, I do have one more release uh, this year making this. The first year, I've got three books. Uh, wow. My editor finally talked me into doing an anthology, which is another something I've never done before. So in December, I'm going to have a uh, anthology of Las Vegas pulp fiction come out. It's going to be called Let It Ride, and it's going to be the first three novellas in my series packaged into one book. Wow, you must be just really cranking this stuff out fast that's a lot of material it, um, it, it takes it's an everyday effort but uh, it's probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life I couldn't imagine writing a novel to, to come up with the ideas and everything well, you know I'm horrible at math so it's just uh, it's all in what you do there you go I, I just wanted to tell you how much I really enjoyed this uh, this book it was really a lot of fun to read. Thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate feedback like that. And I, I, the only downside of, of writing is feedback is something you don't get a lot of or enough of. Uh, you know, you just kind of put these things out here and you guess, well, you know, they're selling, so people must like them. But no, it, it's very rare that you get to sit down and have a one-on-one with somebody. So thank you for that. Well, you're, you're quite welcome, and thank you for doing that. One quick question. Um, sure. Are there going to be any more tiki settings for this character or, or in any of your other books, for that matter? Um, never say never. Uh, <laughs> there are no uh, immediate plans for that. Uh, I, I have had a couple people prompting me to do a sequel on this one. Uh-huh. Um, 
I won't rule it out, but uh, right now I'm I'm booked, so to speak, on the horizon. Yeah. So um, I don't know. The author is Bill Rates, and the book is The Voodoo Lodge, which is available now from his site, which I have to say I love your email address. And I actually, I remember you sent me an email a long time ago to I say did. how much you liked the show, and I loved, loved the email address. It was um, uh, worldespionagebureau.com. It's a long one to type in, so bookmark it. But it's very cool, I gotta say. Right. Or on Twitter at uh, pulprider702. And you can find his book on amazon.com. Yes, I've just gotten into um, Kindle editions, and uh, this was one of the first ones I put out uh, for the Kindle. Thank you so much for visiting me here at the Quiet Village and uh, teaking out once again. <laughs> My tie in hand. Thank you. It was a My pleasure. My tie in hand. I actually, I actually just finished mine. It, you know, tiki drinks are the kind that I prefer to order and be looking away from the bar because one time I ordered a Scorpion and I watched the bartender as she was making it and there were like six different bottles that went up and poured and poured and poured and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't want to know that. Well, and the time has come. We're done. So I'm going to leave you with another tune by Spy Fi for Bill Rates' character, Bryce Atwell. This is the theme from the World Espionage Bureau. Until next time, everyone, aloha. Thinks you're on the take, it gloves off.